happy 2024 and happy almost year of the dragon. A 62% drop from early January to now. How Pay has got the insight on what factors are impacting the iron ore market and how this could affect the rest of Q1. OPEC has strengthened calls for production cuts, but will everyone stay in line? Archie Smith has some thoughts for you, along with analysis on what has proven to be a roller coaster of a year so far for crude oil. So stay tuned because we have all this and more on Freight Up. Freight Up! Welcome back to Freight Up. My name's Fernanda, and I'll be your host as we navigate the seas of freight and commodities. I'm reporting to you live from a wind tunnel. Just kidding. Those are my AirPods. But I am down under in the home of Rio Tinto. So you might notice a bit of difference in our sound quality this week. But nonetheless, we are so excited to be back and bring you the latest and greatest in freight commodity news. This week, we've got updates from Ace Smith 7 himself, How Pei reporting straight from Shanghai. And without further ado, here he is, the people's broker. Ace Smith 7. Archie Smith is back in the studio, but times have changed, folks. He is not the same FIS Backstreet Boy from yesterday. No, if you see Archie Smith at one of our FIS events, you won't recognize him because he's grown some facial hair. And frankly, I don't know who he is anymore. Archie, how are you doing? I'm all good. Thank you, Fernanda. I'm all good. Good to be back in the seat. It's been a while. Good to be speaking with you again. I'm in the home of Rio Tinto, though, so it's uh, it's pretty nice. Down under in Australia, the land that gave us Theo and Tim. But besides that, Ines of Iron Ore, which is uh, all anyone talks about here, what's been going on in oil? I suppose I'll kind of do a, a roundup of the year so far, seeing as we've not had a podcast yet. It was all pretty not non-exciting. From the turn of the year, we were pretty range-bound. And this is uh, to talk about the crude. We were range-bound pretty much the entirety of Jan. I've got the levels here. Kind of found the floor um, around $75 per barrel, just under. And then it was it was testing resistance at like $80.75 a barrel. And we was in that range for a whole month with... You know, the market participants tussling between geopolitical tensions, uh, soft demand outlook, potential oversupply, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, uh, right at the end of Jan, uh, we broke that range. Um, we broke the upper end of that range and kind of hit the yearly highs. And that was triggered by um, a massive or a much larger than expected uh, drawback in US crude stockpiles. So I think it was just shy of 10 million barrels uh, drawback for the week. Uh, and that kind of offered that extra kick to, to break us out of that range, which we did. I think the, uh, the highs touch $84 uh, per barrel, or just over $84, $17 per barrel. Since then, we've kind of slipped back off. Uh, we're very much uh, looking just in the week or on the week. We're, we're in the red. And that's due to potential thought of oversupply. Uh, basically, what's happening is the non-OPEC members have really, really stepped up in terms of production, especially the US, who have come out the back of that kind of down period when a lot of their production facilities were affected by cold weather, kind of December and beginning of Jan. Uh, but US has come out of that now, their, their production's ramping up. And as well as this, for those of you who, uh, who were listening last year, I talked a lot about OPEC cuts and new OPEC cuts are always getting introduced. Basically, there's there's a lot of 
OPEC members that may not be sticking to those as promised? We did mention this a bit last year. It seemed like there was, yeah, it it felt like it was disjointed. Yeah, it very much was disjointed and it it still feels that way. I mean, yeah, that's just kind of the consensus of the market. People think that some of those members aren't, um, aren't going to be sticking to the cuts or, or at least as compliantly as they should be. So again, that's kind of adding downward pressure on prices and just kind of general soft economic data, especially out of China. You know, kind of when China economy looks weak, oil goes down. When China economy looks strong, oil goes up. That's kind of very much the case in 99% of the time. Uh, and that's what we're seeing here. So, you know, kind of all those downward pressures have helped us just kind of come back off into the red a bit. Uh, but the last couple of days, we have actually seen some support. Uh, and again, it just it just goes back and forth, back and forth. We've seen support last couple of days because uh, now there's been a couple more uh, Houthi strikes on vessels in the Red Sea. And also the US, they've basically confirmed that they are going to be continuing their strikes on, on Houthi rebel outposts or, or compounds, whatever, uh, in retaliation to the... These three, I believe, uh, personnel that they unfortunately lost uh, in a strike attack. So it, it, we're kind of just in this point of limbo, really, where the short-term direction is not too visible. If something happens in the Middle East conflict-wise, we go up, and then later on in the day, there'll be some weak economic data. We'll go back down. It's just kind of back and forth at the minute. It sounds like the year of the dragon is going to be a new chapter in what has already been a storied year for crude, at least. How are other segments doing? Yeah, so I suppose the main talking point in the fuel at the minute would be the high sulfur East West. It's getting absolutely hammered. Not down the pub. Oh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Front month contract, which is the the March. That's Oh, and and for those uh, listeners who may be new to the market or, or new to the podcast, the high sulfur East West is the differential between the high sulfur fuel coming in the Singapore hub and the high sulfur fuel oil in the uh, Rotterdam hub. So kind of what it says on the tin, east, uh, east-west high sulfur. So it's a price differential contract. So that's, that's well into the negative now. Uh, it's down about $13 on the week. I think last trading around te- uh, minus 10, negative 10, uh, which means that the, bar, the euro counterpart is trading uh, a $10 premium to the Singapore counterpart. So that's, re- that's been coming off like four or five bucks a day. Reason for that, I think ahead of Chinese New Year, you might be able to argue that there's a lack of interest uh, from kind of East Asian buyers ahead of the holiday. And we've also just noticed that in the uh, in the Shanghai arbitrage window, there have been net sellers of the of the three eight the high sulfur sing, which is is just kind of adding that downward pressure to the to the three eighty contracts against the barges. Therefore, kind of getting that differential deeper into the negative territory. Another factor affecting that, something that's actually providing strength to the high sulfur barges, which is the European uh, high sulfur fuel oil, uh, is the crack is really strong at the minute. Uh, It's up about $4 on the week. I'm hearing that there's some big physical players who are quite well bid uh, kind of into Q3 on the high sulfur sulfur euro crack, which is providing a lot of strength in the front uh, and again, pushing that east-west down. The strength in the high sulfur euro crack has really um, tightened up the high five spread. High five spread being the price difference between the very low sulfur fuel oil and the high sulfur fuel oil in the same hub. So you have a Euro high five and a Sing high five. So looking at the Euro high five, I mean, it's it's tightened up about $20 on the week because of that strength in the high sulfur crack. So it was it was around 
$115 for the front month contract last week. And I think we're looking around kind of like $97 here. And we've seen a similar similar change in the Sing High Five as well, about 20 bucks on the week. So I'm much tighter there. It's not beneficial for those who have scrubber fitted vessels. Uh, you know, if you've got your scrubber fitted vessel, your interests are the High Five being as wide as possible. So you're getting more bang for your buck. And before we let you go, Archie, I have one last question for you. And that's what's your biggest takeaway for the week so far? My biggest takeaway will definitely be keeping an, an eye on the high sulfur east west. Look where it's going, you know, for any kind of potential arbitrage opportunities. Obviously, you know, you've got to take into account that the high sulfur barge is trading higher than the uh, Singapore 380 counterpart. So I think I think with that being the thing that's moving the most at the minute in, in an otherwise pretty stagnant market, I think that's what you've got to keep your eye on. There you have it, folks. The People's Broker has spoken. Archie, thank you so much. Amazing as always. No problem. Thank you for having me on the show, Fernanda. Now let's talk iron ore with Hal Pei. We are back and it is Hal Pei, ladies and gentlemen. Hal, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic. I can't wait for the new year coming in two days. That's amazing. Do you have a pretty big celebration plan? Uh, not really. I need to re- reunion with my family and it's really out of tickets everywhere. It's it's like very crowded and I think it's going to be very expensive as well on the flights. So I'm not planning to travel really at this time, but probably by the last few days. Well, that makes sense. At least you'll have some really yummy food. But on that note, do you think the market's already on vacation mode? Exactly. We still see iron ore drop the uh, first day or two over this week. It's purely more, it's more falling the the poor performance of equity market, I'm sure. But from this Wednesday, it was clearly see iron ore was really consolidated in a, a dollar or even narrow range for the whole day. And there is zero physical trade on the other side. So I think, I think from, at least from this Wednesday, the market is answering holiday mode. That's awesome. What other insights do you have to share with our wonderful audience? It's been quite a while. I'm sure they've missed you and there's a lot to catch up on. And with success, we say that the market is going to have a big drop in summer, early February or late January. And we keep mentioning the market top reversal risk in January reports. Although I think most of the analysts and traders were very optimistic at that point of time, because you hear a lot of China stimulus and they hear a lot of the, the, the U.S. interest cut. It's all good news for iron ores. It's all macro news. They happen every day consistently. And why we mentioned there's a huge risk on the iron market was that the pick iron entered a descending trend, although the data was showing a slight pickup. But we think there are some of overcalculation on that sample base, which ignored some of the northern China capacities. But in fact, northern mills carried more production than the south areas. But from the size declining and maintenance, as well as some of the oversupply on semi-finished steels, we observed that pig iron consumption is going down in January and it's overcalculated. That's how we reached this conclusion. 
And at the meantime, the port stocks of iron ores were growing at significant pace, at least 200 and 300 million tons per week. And steel mills feel pressure on raw materials because of the high stocks plus low margin last for more than five months. And delivery was similar to last year. However, the port congestion is much better than the last three years. And the heavy snow impact mostly in mid-China, but it's not impacting the northern ports and its logistic inside of China were steady. So fundamental-wise, we're clearly feeling a bearish sentiment from this January. That's why we mentioned a high valuation risk and it's the market's price that risk and it's going down significantly. Well, on the other side, I think the big news would become a huge indicator for the market was should be the China, China Politburo in early March. And at the same time, U.S. Walmart is going to have the most important conference to discuss interest rate during the same week or two. So I think both could have a huge impact on market. There will be a lot of star- stories going on even during Chinese New Year and even during the light season. And this is a very interesting time because normally by now, the index and fundamentals are usually affected by the Chinese long holiday. But that isn't the case this year, is it? I don't think so, because there are already a lot of news going on in January and February. It's going to be a very exciting year, at least exciting, let's say exciting Q1 than any of um, Q1 during the past five years. For importers, the February index is almost fixed for the first half. Bills tend to hold cautious fuel in buying port cargoes. But in addition, the huge appreciation on U.S. dollars by 4% during the past three weeks. If it's going down, it will support iron ore values. So there will be a lot of things going on on either the long side or the short side, there'll be fights against the both the two camps. I think it's not going to be a quiet Q1, naturally. And the other huge thing is Brazil court is still struggling with uh, the bank collapse payment to the civilians. And there'll be a lot of stars going on on that side as well. Although, which happened like four years ago. But uh, there'll be a lot of irritations, stories, different versions, news, media going on because the president of Brazil is an environmental protectors. And I think there'll be a lot of stories going on in this Q1 as well. If we go to the fundamental side, the iron ore is at least 2.5 times than the overall cost plus freight. It's on 85% value of its price. But... For example, some of the Asian equities like China equities are, is only at 10% lower range. And some of the commodities like agriculture, they're just, they're, they're, they're like running as low as like 20 or 30 percentiles. I mean, if we compare it with those commodities, if we stand on a fund who invest in a basket of commodities, iron ore is not cheap at this point of time. So just overall, I think we still need to mention that the iron ore price is still like, it's still like flight overpriced at this value and at this level, but we still need to be aware of it. Even there could be some of the 
encouragements on the macro side or recovery of demand after Chinese New Year? It sounds like one way or another, the year of the dragon, at least for iron ore, is going to take us on a wild ride. Luckily for you and for me, we have Hal Pay to keep us on the edge of our seats and on top of the news. Hal, thank you so much for this update. It's nice to work with you again, buddy. Thanks, Fernanda. I feel the same way. Thank you. Well, sick of working us. That's it. We're done for this week, but we will see you next week. And I know you may be suffering from a bit of abandonment from our two-month hiatus, but we are back and have some exciting news for you next week. But in the meantime, John B. needs a personal favor from you. And that is to go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and to hit the button that says subscribe on it. Yes, that's right. The big man himself said that you must subscribe to Freight Up Podcast this week. Assuming that you went and did that, we can go peacefully. We'll see you next week.